The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Holiday edition. Holla! By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor— and whereas both houses of Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, who is the benef beneficent? Beneficent. Yeah, I guess. Who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed, to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789, George Washington. There's some editing in that mother. <laughs> Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I'm your host, Rick Welch. To the left of me is Billy Eye Candy Kimsey. Hey. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Hey. Wait, that's Billy's thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got to come up with a nickname for Cherry. What do you got? 
I no. think that is a nickname. Let's leave it. Let it go. Cherry the, Lewis. <laughs> I think it's I think it's uh, Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I'm just trying to go the for Annihilator. something. The Annihilator. We call her not- Shirley Temple because they put the when they make that drink, Shirley Temple, they put a cherry in it. And it was kids. That was our favorite drink. True. You drank Shirley Temple's? As a kid, yeah. As a kid. As was, a is kid. that non-alcoholic? Yeah. 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 I didn't know it's that. named it's a, after a child. It's a seven up with grenadine and a cherry. Yeah. Oh. It's a fun drink for children if they're at a bar. And yeah, and the Roy Rogers was the was the Coke with the cherry um and the grenadine. Man, mm-hmm. what was like in nineteen thirty-nine, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then uh, instead of cheer wine, cherry fine. Cherry <laughs> <laughs> How about that, Cherry? I can't eat like Cherry Fine. Cherry you got fine. it. See, I was trying to like, with the name Cherry, I was like, we have to do everything to avoid any pun on the name oh, Cherry. Absolutely. I was trying yeah. to make I was, it light. I was, my I was trying yeah. to make it light and yeah, family, yeah, exactly. and look what you're doing to me here. Yeah, and for our special holiday edition, I got my wife Holly here. Hello. Hello. It's now apparently in the bylaws that we need Holly for holiday stuff. Uh, yeah. That's kind of a the, thing now, yeah, yeah so yeah. it's going to happen. So anyway... Well, you guys heard at the top of the episode, Andy reading the proclamation from 1789, President George Washington. I thought it was interesting that both houses of Congress had asked him to institute that. So it was a, a holiday called Thanksgiving where people stop all of their labor and they thank God for what they have, which is unique. It, and today, I feel like Thanksgiving is that holiday that everybody's just, you know, they're, that's the place to start gorging out, eating, and then getting ready for the Black Friday shopping day, right? Yep. Yeah. So, put up Christmas lights or deer hunting or whatever. Yeah. But I love that deer hunting is on Billy's list. He's like, yeah, Thanksgiving. You know, that's when you start deer hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what and Ted you know what? Nugent said. It's not said. inaccurate. <laughs> no. But. no. Yeah, Ted is that when you can use a gun? November 15th, Ted Nugent Day. Oh, is <laughs> Is that when can you use a gun for for North Carolina? That's the week that you can start using a gun. Yeah, Monday is actually opening day. So, yeah. Well, this Monday? No, the week of Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that that early mon that Monday week, that, and then that, by Thursday. Yeah. So you can go slaughter a mountain goat, have it gutted, yeah, bled it, yeah, wild cook goat, it, yeah. and then eat it for Thanksgiving. Hunt it with a rifle. Well, you got to hang it a little bit longer than that. Yeah, hunt it with a rifle that's big enough to shoot down a helicopter. Yeah, yeah I have a so. lot of friends that deer hunt. I do not deer hunt, but I have a lot of friends that do. And I always tell them, if you really want to impress me, hide in the woods, jump out of a tree with a knife, and kill that deer. Let's see how it does. <laughs> I call it slaughtering mountain goats. <laughs> it's like it's a part of the goat family, you know. Yeah, they're, they're all like that two-toed ungulate or something like that. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, no. it's uh, it's no you know like horses are have a single toe, uh, but deer have two toes. So everything with two hoof toes like that is a part of the same family. I think oh, it's okay. funny that Andy comes up with that word after complaining about George Washington. Using oh, I all said those that word words. wrong. <laughs> yeah, I said it wrong. What ungulate? <laughs> yes, I'm sure I said that. Well, wrong. Th- I'm going to punch you right in the ungulate. <laughs> 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 yeah, but so when you guys were kids, like. Thanksgiving, when you were like, I always remember elementary school and Thanksgiving. That was like my, I always enjoyed it because they allowed us to like make the little pilgrim hats, you know, out of construction paper. And then you could make the feathers. Do they allow you to do that anymore? Like make feathers for oh, Indians sure. or is that, oh, oh is that politically correct anymore? Is there anything politically correct anymore? We're taking down statues of everybody. It's like there won't be anybody left. It's true. 
I think it's going to be the same, though. It's always going to be that the Indians and the pilgrims got together. So I would think they're always going to be able to use the feathers. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't know, know about that. I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to wear feathers on your head anymore. It's a reasonable question. I mean, are you getting to don't want to flash back to Halloween too much, but but I mean, you could dress up as an Indian, I think, for Halloween. I don't think that's that big a deal. It's just it's probably whether or not you take on an accent and say retarded things that kind of makes you uh, that kind of differentiates you as an idiot or just a person that's like, I'm going to dress up like an Indian. And not using slang words like, you know, red man or different things like that. Yeah. Well, they're, they're trying to take the chop from Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the Redskins have already taken yeah. their name yeah. off. Yeah. The Washington football team. I mean, I don't know who thought of that, but it was brilliant. <laughs> it was like, it's awesome. We what can we be? Yeah. Workshop that for 10 years. They, well, they were trying to figure out what could we name ourselves that would not offend somebody. But what they don't realize is that they offended everybody in Europe because football is soccer. <laughs> I should have just called them the fighting whites. I don't know why. I'm, <laughs> I'm here I'm, for it. I'm so offended. I'm so offended by that. He hasn't seen the, he hasn't seen the, the Redskins lately. No. They're, yeah, they're not very good, are they? I don't think that's what he was getting at, but we'll just leave that hang. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Well, one of the things I wanted to look into was, um, we've always heard that the pilgrims and the Indians got together, but I, or Native Americans, but I, I wanted to learn more about the why. I've heard that there was a religious group involved, but I didn't really know who they were. And so I thought it would be interesting to read a little bit of the history and then also to tell from our own perspective the things that we like about Thanksgiving. You know, for me, I, you know, I just, to be thankful for things in your life. It's something that it kind of goes, you know, unseen or unheard these days. But I guess the biggest thing is opponents to the idea that our nation was founded on Christian principles and, and having the separation of church and state. I'm not, uh, I'm not so keen on that. I believe that there were Christian principles in the beginning of this, for sure. And it's even uh, sort of throughout time, every time there's a new president or whatever, you you, you kind of have waves of the Christianity that come through the nation. You remember we talked about, is are we a Christian nation? I think that we were founded on those principles, but I don't think that we necessarily adhere to them. But one of the things that I had, I had written to you guys that I found to be true was that— um, I said, in a world of cynics and endless negative comments on social media, it pains me to see how this nation has forgotten to be thankful. In fact, this holiday uh, to most is just the day to eat before the big Black Friday shopping day. We are a nation of consumers. We consume and consume with little or no effort to curb the appetite of our own destruction, which made me think of Guns N' Roses. How do Today, today, if a president, any president, it doesn't matter if they're Democrat, Republican, any president that makes an effort to give the country some semblance of unity, it is met with tremendous backlash, either a furious far left or a far right, ready to pounce on every word. The media at the ready with the shotgun mics and camera scopes directly pointed at him like a firing squad, ready to murder the intent, no matter what it is. So as consumers, we... We just continue to eat and digest all of these things. We watch television and talk shows and newscasts and all this, and it's just, it feels so gross. Do do you guys ever feel that way? Like the stuff that you see today, it just feels like 
we are the most ungrateful, unthankful bunch on planet Earth. Do you guys ever feel that way? Absolutely. I, I don't think we're any worse than anybody else. I don't know about else. planet Earth, but certainly here in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. You don't think we're any worse nah. than anybody else? I just think you get wrapped up in your life and what demands your attention or problems. Hmm. I think it's that simple. I think it's human condition. You could reach over and grab that little metal thing and tighten it because it seems yeah. to be falling there. I worked for a Japanese company and... Just so you know, those people were like very family oriented, very kind. The ones that I that met I, when I went to Japan, they were all like they take care of the elderly and they're very respectful. And it seems like they're a pretty thankful bunch. No, not all of them, of course, but it just seems like they're a, a happy, thankful bunch. I don't know that they're happy. I think you can make the argument that they're better at not bothering people with their problems because culturally it's more frowned upon. Mm -hmm. But probably they're just as happy or unhappy as most anybody else in a relatively equal situation. I don't disagree with that. However, I have been to Canada and Mexico and probably eight or nine uh, countries in Europe. and I, th I think Ralph's on his way to changing my mind. They are, I mean it. they are all family-oriented. I didn't find anyone mean anywhere that I went. They were all family-oriented. Everybody, they don't make the same amount of money uh, on average as they do here, so everybody bands together. There's usually, like when I was in France, there were fa families had dinners every Sunday night at grandma and grandpa's or mom and dad's house. When I was in Germany, it was the same thing. One night a week, every, as many people as could get together got together, and they did things as a family. And many times in a lot of places in these countries, like in Mexico or in Europe, especially in the places where they don't have a lot of money in the smaller towns. Everyone lives really close to each other. In Germany, there are apartment buildings that they live in, and usually the whole family lives in this apartment building and that apartment building, and where everybody's really close together, and they they have better, they, they adhere better to morals and values, and at least that's what I have found. Um, having grown up here and seeing where we've gone, which is to hell in a handbasket, I would say what I've seen in other countries is something that should make us ashamed. I do think, I, I believe that, actually, having said what I said earlier, I believe that. But uh, but I, I think it's I think it's built into the land, and, and I think moving away from family is built into the people around of America. I think it's kind of a part of the way of the life. Yeah, well, America is so much more spread out than most countries. Most countries are smaller than some of our states. So because it's smaller, they don't have the opportunities. They don't have as many big cities to go to. And uh, you know, emigrate and have a better life, so they don't move as much as uh, as we do here, because we're so spread out, and there's so many big cities around the country uh, that people go to uh, to make a living. You know, move from California to Arizona, and now they're moving to Texas, and they're moving here. Yeah, I just I feel like because we are, like I said, we are consumers that. When we get what it is that we're looking for, then we're always looking for the next thing. And we have an advertising culture that just bombards us constantly. If we have any type of device, whether it's a television or a phone or a radio or whatever, everything is built on marketing and advertising. You talk in front of your friends and then you open up your phone and suddenly you see the ads for the things that you were just talking about because the microphone is listening. You know, we used to hear old people say, I don't want that phone because it's listening to what you're saying. And I'm like, you're crazy. It's not. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, these these ads pop up and you're like, wait a minute, that's not coincidental. 
it's not coincidental. It's actually okay. And you actually agreed to it whenever you determined to use that software, whether it's uh, you know an iOS for Apple or an Android or whatever it is, you've agreed to it. Yeah, you just scroll down and, and you say, yeah, yeah, I accept it. You can <laughs> yeah, have my firstborn child. Yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> Did you see the, the change where uh, now Apple, every time something tries to target you or track you, Apple asks you whether you want to be tracked or not, and you could deny it? That's, really? Yeah, that's the way Apple products all work now. You, that's new. you get the option. It will be like, this app wants to track, allow to track, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what that probably means, I was listening to somebody talk about this the other day, what that probably means is actually that targeted advertising is not the magic bullet. Mm-hmm. People thought it was going to be, so it's probably not worth it. It's, does that make sense? So, like, the cynical view of it is, oh, they just figured out it wasn't that important or effective. Like right. they thought it was going to be. So, of course, there it's easy to take away. But but they are, at least on iPhones, and I bet it'll, everybody else will follow. Uh, yeah, they're kind of removing that. At yeah. least tracking. A long time ago, Andy, you had said, when I asked if uh, Facebook wasn't cool, you know, because you said that you use TikTok because you're a hip kid. And I was like, what about Facebook? And you're like, no. And it's basically poo flinging. Oh, yes. I, I literally just opened up my Facebook page again. Like, I, it's been off for a couple of years, and I opened it up, and then I built our Burroughs of Berea Facebook page. And I just put, all I did was put the image up and just put where an unorthodox, you know, conversational Bible study. And oh, yes. I'm, or, I'm already getting the hate. Like, Welcome it has to the, it. Oh. <laughs> I can't even, I haven't even said anything. It's just, we're an unorthodox Bible study. <laughs> burn him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, you don't even know. You know, people just, they're ready to pounce. Oh, they are. That's so true. It really is. And it's usually the ignorant. Yeah. Pretty much it. And I don't even, I don't even want to argue. Like, I play online chess and I, I play the game. I beat this guy like in like six moves. It was just, and he just said, F you. Oh, that was me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was playing checkers. <laughs> But it's like, man, I mean, it's there's so much just angst in our country. And I remember watching the documentary about Steve Jobs and how when he created this, you know, this iPhone that he wanted to connect everybody and make us a closer society. And it's like, eh, we were actually really close before all these devices came around. We were closer. People don't talk to each other anymore. Well, they do. They just say really mean things like, I don't like Uberia. No, they don't talk to each other. They right. text people and they send emails, but they don't talk to yeah, each other. Yeah, it's so much more convenient. Yeah. Do you remember when text first came out, Andy? Did you look at it and say, oh. this is insane. Why would anybody want to write somebody something? I was one of those assholes. Yeah. Uh, I'll just talk to somebody. And now somebody calls and I'm like, I don't want to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Text them back immediately. Sorry, can't take a call. Which is, I mean, for me personally, I work frequently a lot and talking's not on the phone isn't cool. So usually it's true. Like I just can't even take calls, but also I don't want them. <laughs> yeah. And so now I understand what that message. I understand now I why we're not I always get the close. same message from Andy anytime. It's like, sorry, man, in a session, it's like, it's 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, we'll get back to the it's, show it's here. It's usually true. If you send me a text <clears throat> nine times out of 10, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you. Yeah. Oh, we would, we would, we would have a difficult time. <laughs> that's why. That's why I said that's no wonder we're not friends. The, the only thing worse is if somebody tries to FaceTime you, 
It's like I have to talk talk to you and we got to look at each other? Oh, <laughs> right. please, God, no. And that's why Facebook and texting is terrible because people haven't learned how to interact with each other, to see each other, to see the expressions on their face. And in 100 years, uh, if it continues like this, the, we're, everyone's going to be at war with everyone because nobody will understand what's really going on. Yeah, uh, I've had somebody look at me and say, "I'm I'm a little perplexed by your look. It's kind of you kind of look like that red faced emoji. Are you angry?" And I was like, "No, I have high blood pressure. <laughs> you know, like I'm not angry. Everybody's so emoji driven." Anyway, so let's get to these pilgrims and these Native Americans. Can I say Indians? Is that okay? That's that's okay yeah, with me. I think it's yeah. just all right. Amazing. So the pilgrims and the Indians, and so. Here is what I learned about the pilgrims. If you guys already know, I'm sorry, fast forward, or just listen and learn something today. So uh, I got this information off of the Plymouth Patuxet Museum website, and it's awesome. It's so It's got so much information, so feel free to go to that website and check it out. So England was a Roman Catholic nation until 1534, when King Henry VIII declared himself head of a new national church called the Church of England. Although he and his daughter, Queen Elizabeth I, changed some things that made the Church of England different from the Roman Catholic Church, a few people felt that the new church retained too many practices of the Roman Church. They called for a return to a simpler faith and less structured forms of worship. In short, they wanted to return to worshiping in the way the early Christians had. Because these people wanted to purify the church, they came to be known as Puritans. Another group considered very radical went even further. They thought the new Church of England was beyond reform. Called separatists, they demanded the formation of new, separate church congregations. This opinion was very dangerous. In England, this is weird, (laughs) in England in the 1600s, it was illegal to be part of any church other than the Church of England. So I didn't realize that it was illegal. Like, you weren't allowed to be a part of any other church. If your king forms a religion— It's probably how it's going to go. Right. I mean, good point. The Separatist Church congregation that established Plymouth Colony in New England was originally centered around the town of Scrooby in Nottinghamshire, England. Scrooby. Scrooby. (laughs) (laughs) And Daphne and Velma came over. They didn't allow Fred because he wore that ascot. Or Shaggy, because he couldn't grow a beard. (laughs) (laughs) Like... No way, man. Zoink. <laughs> Zoinks. <laughs> My glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Members included the young William Bradford and William Brewster. Like others who refused to follow the Church of England's teachings, some of them were harassed, fined, or even sent to jail. When they felt they could no longer suffer these difficulties in England, they chose to flee to the Dutch Netherlands. There, they could practice their own religion without fear of persecution from the English government or its church. So, when you when I read that the first time, I thought of the way it was like what it was like for the early Christians whenever they were living in Rome. And do you remember how Rome was and how they weren't allowed, or how in Judaism they didn't want that sect of you know of Christians, so they were being persecuted and were imprisoned because of their beliefs. And so I've said in the past, you remember I was like, oh, I don't know if we're a Christian nation, but you guys sort of called me out on it, and I want to say that I agree with you guys. We actually are very fortunate to live where we live. We do have the freedom. If we want to go to any church that we decide, we can go to it. Even if we don't like the people in it, we can go. 
That was a joke. <laughs> well, America, America, I was kidding. America, as it was formed with the English when they came over, those guys were all radicals. They were all Puritans. You know, so they they wanted to worship their own way, and they were pretty devout and pretty. Well, entire chunks of them were definitely seen as madmen by like the average people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So after leaving England and going to the Netherlands, uh, while they're there. Uh, and they had their own religious freedoms in the Netherlands. It wasn't really easy. So the separatists had to leave their homeland and friends to live in a foreign country without a clear idea of how they would support themselves. The congregation stayed briefly in Amsterdam and then moved to the city of Leiden. There they remained for the next 11 or 12 years. Most found work in the cloth trades, while others were carpenters, tailors, and printers. Their lives required hard work. Even young children had to work. Do you remember the good old days when you could make a child work? Yes. Again, another joke. I'm just, <laughs> I'm killing myself over here. Obviously, uh, you know, child labor laws in America, I think, are very unfair. I mean, why can't I work an eight-year-old child in my shop? Exactly. Four, six days a week, thirteen and fourteen hours a day for thirty cents a day. They can get under the saw blade and shovel the sawdust out a whole lot easier than not. They're can. so small. Have you seen my big donkey lately? <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to comment on your donkey. <laughs> it's not a donkey. It's an ass. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's see here. It said their lives required hard work. Even young children had to work. Some older children were tempted by the Dutch culture and left their families to become soldiers and sailors. Their parents feared that they would lose their identity as English people. To make matters worse, the congregation worried that another war might break out between the Dutch and Spanish. They decided to move. So this is where they make the decision to leave Holland. They go back to England for a short period of time. They get some investors so that they can now leave to come to the new world. And that's the whole idea. So then uh, it says, after careful thought, the congregation decided to leave Holland and establish a farming village in the northern part of the Virginia colony. At that time, Virginia extended from Jamestown in the south to the mouth of the Hudson River in the north, so the Pilgrims planned to settle near present-day New York City. I don't know why, but I used to think that the Pilgrims were the first people to come to the country, to come to this land, right? And, and Holly, you and I were talking about that the other day. Columbus came in 1492. This is in the 1600s. So, um, Sir Walter Raleigh comes to North Carolina and Roanoke, and then they set up these colonies, and they're in the Virginia colony and the Jamestown. So, America's, you know, growing pretty well. So, when, by the time the pilgrims come, they're not coming just because it's free. They're just trying to escape the church, which is crazy to me. You know, they're, they're running away from the church so that they can have church. Yeah, but they're not running away from the church. They're running away from the Church of England. Right. Which really wasn't a church, even though that's where we got our Bible from. The King James. The King James Version, 1611. This is the time frame when all of the stuff was taking place. That King James Bible came across with the pilgrims. because they, they were like, I hate the way you worship, but I like your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, and of course, you know, King Henry VIII and then Elizabeth I. And I think James was James was the son of Elizabeth, correct? Mm -hmm. I believe so. And he, he, died, was, he died young. But he was the king of England and of Scotland. Yep. So, anyway. So, they had hoped to live under the English government 
but they would worship in their own separate church. Because their own money wasn't enough to establish their village, they entered into an agreement with financial investors. I thought this was interesting. The company of investors would provide passage for the colonists and supply them with tools, clothing, and other supplies. The colonists, in turn, would work for the company, sending natural resources such as fish, timber, and furs back to England. All assets, including the land and the pilgrims' houses, would belong to the company until the end of seven years, when all of it would be divided among each of the investors and colonists. The colonists and investors had many disagreements, but eventually the pilgrims were able to leave Europe for America. The entire congregation could not come to America together. Those who could settle their affairs in Leiden went first, while the greater number, including their pastor John Robinson, remained behind. The congregation purchased a small ship, Speedwell, to transport them across the sea and to use for fishing and trading in America. So, you know, we always talk about the Mayflower. Originally, it was going to be the Speedwell. At Southampton, a port in England, they were joined by a group of English colonists who had been gathered by the investors. Speedwell and Mayflower, a ship rented by the investors, departed for America together. After twice turning back to England because Speedwell leaked, they were forced to leave the ship. As a result, many families were divided when some passengers had to be turned back for lack of space. A month after first leaving England on September the 6th, 1620, Mayflower set out alone with 102 passengers. I'd like to point out that the name Speedwell is not a name. It was more of a prayer that you would say as you got onto the boat. Is that what they would say? If your boat was leaking. (laughs) (laughs) Godspeed, good luck, and hope you don't sink. Speedwell. I wish they had one like sink no, like sink not, like the sink the sink not. Oh, kind of like the the Chevy Nova, and in in Spanish it means no go. <laughs> does it? Yeah. Wow, what does it mean in English? Now it means a radical car that you can get a lot of money for. <laughs> That's true. Your mom had one, didn't she? My dad currently has one. Right, but didn't she have like a? No, she had a Chevelle. Oh, it was a she- uh, SS Chevelle I think. SS sixty seven. I think orange. Yeah. Orange. What did I say? Yellow? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Mayflower arrived in New England on November the 11th, 1620, after a voyage of 66 days. Now, it took—so, they they leave out of Southampton, England, and they go to the Hudson—is it—yeah, the Hudson River— That's where they intended to settle. 66 days it took them. Although the pilgrims had originally intended to settle near the Hudson River in New York, dangerous shoals and poor winds forced the ship to seek shelter at Cape Cod. Because it was so late in the year and travel around Cape Cod was proving difficult, the passengers decided not to sail further and to remain in New England. It was here in Cape Cod Bay that most of the adult men on the ship signed the document that we know as the Mayflower Compact. It laid the foundation for the community's government. So, this was in November 11th, 1620. I got to thinking about this. It must have been bitter cold. If it was in November and they're coming over to, you know, like on a ship in New England, I mean, that must have been like ridiculously cold. It's not like that when they arrived, like they had a house to go hang out in. It must have been rough. So, it says, a party of the most able men began exploring the area to find a suitable place to settle. After several weeks, the exploring party arrived at what appeared to be an abandoned Wampanoag community. The plentiful water supply, good harbor, cleared fields, and location on a hill made the area a favorable place for settlement. Mayflower arrived in Plymouth Harbor 
on December 16th, 1620, and the colonists began building their town. While houses were being built, the group continued to live on the ship. Many of the colonists fell ill. They were probably suffering from scurvy and pneumonia caused by a lack of shelter in the cold, wet weather. Although the pilgrims were not starving, their sea diet was very high in salt, which weakened their bodies on the long journey and during that first winter. As many as two or three people died each day during their first two months on land. Only 52 survived that first year in Plymouth. When Mayflower left Plymouth on April 5th, 1621, she was sailed back to England by only half of her crew. So here's where the Indians come involved, right? So they've come over. Now they've got their little, you know, town they've, they've tried to set up. They've lost, how many did they say left? They lost the, 50 people. Yeah, so 50%. 102 passengers left, and only 52 people survived. That's crazy. 50 people died. Although they occasionally caught glimpses of Native people, it wasn't until four months after their arrival that the colonists met and communicated with them. In March 1621, they made a treaty of mutual protection with the Poconet, uh, Poconocet Wampanoag leader, Usimikin, also known as Massasoit, to the pilgrims. The treaty had six points. Neither party would harm the other. If anything was stolen, it would be returned, and the offending person returned to his own people for punishment. Both sides agreed to leave their weapons behind when meeting, and the two groups would serve as allies in times of war. Squanto, a Wampanoag man who had been taken captive by English sailors and lived for a time in London, came to live with the colonists and instructed them in growing Indian corn. Which, Indian corn... Is it, what is that? Is that like that dark, multicolored? Yeah. Yeah, it's red and black and yellow. Yeah. So you can eat that? As far as I know, yeah. Have you guys ever ate that? I've never eaten any I don't think corn. so. I've eaten it crushed. The ladies used to crush it and uh, and make it into breakfast for, you would have it like a soup. Really? Almost like a like a grit. Was you one of the survivors, Ralph? <laughs> Kidding, no. kidding. I owed you that. <laughs> Have you ever ate Indian corn before, Andy? No. Wait. Well, Halloween. No. Candy corn. I don't think so. Well, see, candy so. corn looks more like Indian corn. Mm-hmm. Right? It's got, well, kind of. They do have the kind with the chocolate base. It's all made of honey. I didn't know that, but I love that. Yeah, it's made of honey. I love that stuff. You know, they had a thing out the other day. It talked about all of the best and worst, and and uh, candy corn is the most hated. Hated by by whom? Oh, yeah. It's kind of awful. Which is is crazy, because I buy a bag every year at this time. I hate kids. (laughs) (laughs) No. I I, I think you hate it or love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's all made of honey. And I, I didn't know that. I decided to look at the bag because, you know, I'm trying to be health conscious. I'm trying to put on weight. And so I looked and I was like, how much weight could I put on if I ate this? And so it said made of honey. I was like, ah, oh, I didn't know. Because, I, I mean, I do like honey, but I never really thought of honey as a, like in candy. I always like honey yeah, on a biscuit. All you need now is some locust and you're good to go. <laughs> Locusts and yeah. wild honey. So I'm going to go get marshmallows if I'm trying to put on weight, not cutting or candy corn, right? Right. Yeah. You want to just, or just a bowl of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in the fall of 1621, the colonists marked their first harvest with a three-day celebration. Mazazoet and 90 of his men joined the English for feasting and entertainment. In the 1800s, this famous celebration became the basis for the story 
of the first Thanksgiving. Over the next six years, more English colonists arrived, and many of the people who had to stay uh, behind in England or in Holland when Mayflower left England were able to join their families. By 1627, Plymouth Colony was stable and comfortable. Harvests were good and families were growing. In 1627, about 160 people lived in Plymouth Colony. So over a five-year period, six-year period, they grew from the 52 that were left up to uh, 160, so three times the size. So they did pretty well. And it, I think it was because of the success was because of what the Native Americans mm-hmm. did. Uh, Squanto and and then Massazoa and all them, they helped them get established. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner oh, and Dances with there, Bikers. There. <laughs> dances. So, Do you know that that was written by a guy that used to live on his couch and he made everybody mad and he went from person to person, finally ended up at Costner's house and Costner and his wife got fed up with him and kicked him out too and said, you know, get out of here and don't call me unless you get your stuff together. And one day he calls, he says, hey, I got something I want you to read. He's like, don't call me. And he kept bugging him and finally said, okay, fine, I'll read it. And it was Dances with Wolves. Really? Really? Wow. It's a true story. That's cool. So that guy wasted his life to make that crappy movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than Waterworld. It's true. I mean, that that was a giant piece of Costner. I've seen both of those movies several times. Did you like Waterworld? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Man, that's a terrible movie. It's going to happen someday. <laughs> it's fine. It is. It's yeah, fine. it is. We're, we're going to run ourselves out of water. That's Mad Max, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a pilgrim. So let's, this is uh, why the name pilgrim. So a pilgrim is a person who goes on a long journey, often with a religious or moral purpose, and especially to a foreign land. After the Mayflower arrived, the first baby born was a boy. His parents, William and Susanna White, hated him and named him Peregrine, which means pilgrim, <laughs> except for the hated part. <laughs> Can you imagine? I thought, that's a falcon, right? The Peregrine Falcon? Yeah. yeah. So that means pilgrim. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if the peregrine falcon like travels long distances or something. Maybe do you, you know it's like the fastest bird, right? They can dive at over two hundred miles an hour. Yeah, I think you're right. But they don't hunt with their beaks. They actually punch their prey to death <laughs> as they dive. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing I learned on TikTok. So it awesome. must be true. That's where you get your yeah. learning from. <laughs> yeah, because their their beaks aren't that strong like an eagle's beak is. Yeah, yeah. If it's on TikTok, it must be true. It has it's to be true. It's, it's legally be. binding. It pu- <laughs> and it, punched, it punches it to death. Wow, that's interesting. I never heard of that. Pilgrim Falcon. That's a a Pilgrim better. Falcon. Yeah. Yep. Check that on Facebook. So, yeah. So, William and Susanna White had a son. They named him Peregrine, and the word which means traveling from far away and also means pilgrim. The writer of Mort's Relation in 1622 refers to the Plymouth colonists as pilgrims. Governor William Bradford calls the Plymouth settlers pilgrims when he writes about their departure from Leiden, Holland, to come to America. They knew they were pilgrims. This is, quote, they knew they were pilgrims and looked not much on those things, but lifted up their eyes to the heavens, their dearest country, and quieted their spirits. Governor Bradford also wrote a poem in which he refers to himself as a pilgrim. Pilgrim became, by the early 1800s at least, the popular term applied to all the Mayflower passengers and even to other people arriving in Plymouth in those early years, so that the English people who settled Plymouth in the 1620s are generally called the Pilgrims. So that's where Pilgrim comes from. So that was pretty cool. And so now I wanted to get into the Indian part. For me, I found out from my grandmother, my whole life I have been told that I have Cherokee 
blood in me. How many of you guys have been told that you have some Indian in you? Uh, We were told we had Cherokee in us when we were kids. And then one day my cousin did the genealogy, said, eh, nope. Yeah. But I am related to one of the last signers of the Declaration of Independence, Mr. Walton. Really? Yes. Great, 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 great grandfather. Wow, night, John Boy. But nobody gets that either, huh? The Waltons? Anyway. No old man. No, we don't. <laughs> Did you ever see Family Guy whenever they're like, where's John Foot Penis? They're like, do you mean Hancock? <laughs> so, <laughs> so and as far as Indians, who was it that told us that? Uh, it was one of our friends that said, I've got, he's, he picked up his girl, this girl was trying to pick her up on her, and he's like, hey, I've got a little Indian in me. Would you like some? All right. So on this same website, it says. He really was Indian, though, by the way. He actually was an Indian. That's true. He oh, wasn't so lying. He, could, he could say that. A full blooded. Yeah, okay. Well, full-blooded yeah, lumpy, actually. I'm not. I, I, my whole life, it's like, well, just so you know, that your great great grandmother was a full blooded Cherokee <laughs> Indian and she married a white man. And so you have. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is that real? Because I'm going to the reservation and I'm going to get my money from the casino for reals. Bling, so bling. Everybody- <laughs> you can get money from the government if you, I think it's an eighth. Yeah, um, it's a 16th really? actually. Is it a 16th? Okay. A 16th. So I thought, man, I'm in like Flynn. And guess what? I have none. I have no Cherokee Indian in me at all. And I don't want any. All right, so uh, on that same website, uh, this is written by Nancy Eldridge, um, Nasset Wampanoag, and Penobscot. So she wrote on this uh, in this article. Donald Penobscot. Yep. What'd you say? Donald Penobscot. Donald. Donald Penobscot. Who's that? Mash. Oh, that was Hot Lips' fiance. And husband. Really? Yeah. My grandparents lived on the Penobscot Bay in Belfast. You know, I was thinking a minute ago when some of this trash talk was going by, you know, if we ever become syndicated, it won't be on, t- it won't be on the radio. It'll have to be on cable. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Next I mean, to the Howard Stern show. All I have to do is call Andy and say, beep it out, which typically he does. He does beep out some things. Yep. Every once in a while. That's, you know what? The reason I beep out things is sort of because I find beeps to be worse than actual swear words. Because a lot of times swear words will pass like very fluidly in a conversation. If you're somebody like me, I just swear. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, But you throw a beep in there and it brings all of the attention to that point. So I think beeps are hilarious because to me it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. I did a short. wonder what it was and listen some more. Exactly. I did a short like that, and I used I wasn't even using bad words, and I had the same philosophy. Nice. I was using the beeps, and it, you know, a couple of old people like beeping each other, and it's like that looked like a really sweet couple, but they obviously were cussing <laughs> each other out, you know. Anyway, so the Indians were of the Wampanoag tribe. The Wampanoag are one of many nations of people all over North America who were here long before any Europeans arrived and have survived until today. Many people use the word Indian to describe us, but we prefer to be called native people. Our name, Wampanoag, means people of the first light. In the 1600s, we had as many as 40,000 people in the 67 villages that made up the Wampanoag Nation. These villages covered the territory along the east coast as far as Wessagusset, today called Weymouth, 
all of what is now Cape Cod and the islands of Natucket and Noepe, now called Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, and southeast as far as Poconocket, now Bristol and Warren, Rhode Island. We have been living on this part of Turtle Island for over 15,000 years. I thought that was interesting because when I first read it, I was like, Turtle Island? The Wampanoag, like many other native people, often refer to the earth as Turtle Island. Have you heard that before? Anybody? I haven't, no. So the native people consider, they, they call the earth Turtle Island. I have no idea. Well, I wouldn't imagine that the, the natives living inland would, but the people along the coast, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. Today, about four to 5,000 Wampanoag live in New England. There are three primary groups, Mashpee, Aquina, and Manomet, with several other groups forming again as well. Recently, we also found some of our relations in the Caribbean islands. These people are descendants of native Wampanoag people who were sent into slavery after a war between the Wampanoag and English. We, as the people, still continue our way of life through our oral traditions, the telling of our family and nation's history, ceremonies, the Wampanoag language, song and dance, social gatherings, hunting, and fishing. The Wampanoag homeland provided bountiful food, fulfillment of all our needs. It was up to the people to keep the balance and respect for all living beings and to receive all the gifts from the Creator. We were seasonal people living in the forests and valleys during winter. During the summer, spring, and fall, we moved to the rivers, ponds, and ocean to plant crops, fish, and gather foods from the forest. Because of many changes in North America, we as the Wampanoag cannot live as our ancestors did. We adapt, but still continue to live in the way of the people of the first light. So that was pretty interesting. So that was written from you know somebody who was native saying but did you notice the part about how they found some of their descendants in the caribbean islands and that was because there was a battle between the pilgrims and the indians and the pilgrims sent the indians out to be slaves how quickly we forget how they helped us you know learn how to make food and and to live and then we send them off for slavery also it was like different camps right like what thanksgiving is a thing that happened at one particular location amongst you know, a certain a group of people. And mm-hmm. it probably wasn't exactly those people that were sending them off later. Yeah. Although it literally could have been. But and it I'm wasn't it always wasn't. the pilgrims killing the natives. There are many native tribes where they didn't like anyone, even other tribes, and they would go to war with other tribes and with uh, the Americans or the English that had come over. So I mean, it, w- it wasn't just the pilgrims starting those. So that could have been something where one of those tribes started it and they sent them over there. Mm -hmm. And they were here how long? Um, They got here in 1620. No, the uh, the Indians. Indians. 15,000 years. years? That's what they say. They show show a recorded history of their own people of 15,000 years, which I think um, there's some people that believe the earth is only 10,000 years old, right? (laughs) They're... There are a lot of different beliefs about the age of the earth. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we don't know. Sure. So they rode some T-Rexes <clears throat> and raptors. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might have to add two zeros or so. <laughs> bad boy. All right. So what I, the last thing that I want to read um, is the only record, the only record of the actual celebration of what 
we celebrate as Thanksgiving between the pilgrims from the English colony that was settled here in Plymouth and the Wampanoag uh, native tribe. See, I have a memory of this from school, so I'm real curious because, you know, it's like grade school, early high school probably. So you're just like, I'm curious what, what you have compared to the thing that I was told. Oh, okay. Yeah. About this only recorded thing? Right. Okay. So this was written by Pilgrim Edward Winslow. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that we might, after a more special manner, rejoice together, after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help beside, served the company almost a week. At which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest, their great king, Mazazoet, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. So that's Winslow's letter in Mort's relation. That's interesting. Who was the yeah. one that had, who was the, the historian that did that? It, well, it wasn't a historian. It was a, a pilgrim uh, that had written this. It's the only record of it. Let me let me get back to that because literally I just took it out. It says, uh, Pilgrim Edward Winslow, written in the fall of 1621. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah what did you hear? Not what I've heard. Uh, of course, I don't trust history, high school history, as far as I can throw you, mm-hmm. like, because it's just terrible revisionist bullshit. <laughs> Uh, it really is. It's awful. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm not at all surprised that the story in my head is com- possibly, probably completely false. This will be funny because it will sound like something that happened like this year or five years ago, but it's not true. This is something I heard in like the early 90s. So this is pre like the reorienting of our view of Columbus and stuff like that. It's before all that. It's mm-hmm. back when it was powwow times, Indians were good fun to play as kids. Uh, but it was the story I heard then was about uh, the Indians actually having to help the pilgrims actually get through the winter. They were having a food shortage. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so they kind of helped them. It, it is true. It was particular. Yeah. That part is true. Um, okay. And I, I read just a little bit about how Squanto came and showed them how to bury yeah. and, make and get okay. Indian so, corn. Okay. So my high school, as much as High school history is terrible, not entirely incorrect then? No, huh. I don't think so. Oh, worth well, worth noting. I, I think there were, and I don't know this for a fact, uh, one of the historians, uh, the director of the Leiden American Pilgrim in, uh, Museum, Leiden was where they went to. In, in, in Holland, yeah. Right. And uh, they uh, uh, they had services. They were having services uh, back in 1574, Um uh annual services of thanksgiving for the relief of the siege of Leiden in 1574. Uh, so uh, there were uh, feasts that they had then that they say that the pilgrims brought over with them. The The ones that they talk about are the ones from the big one in 1621, 1623, and then the Puritan holiday in Boston in, in 1631. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there were a lot of celebrations, but I think 
most of the the things that I looked at point towards yours as being the first big celebration uh, where a lot of people got together and gave thanks. Um, first for, party ever. That's right. Yeah, the first the, the first big documented one. Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked into the history of why the turkey is the national bird for Thanksgiving? Because Benjamin Franklin lost. Exactly. Did you know that? Benjamin Franklin, favorite founding father. Yes. Despite obvious philandering. Favorite person in history. But amazing man. Absolutely. Despite his personal nature vis-a-vis women, but as a founding father, amazing. Yeah, my yeah. favorite person. Technically, in he was a founding father all over the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he had so much to do with everything. Yeah, yeah. Like all those other guys were like twenties and thirties, and he was like eighty, and he was like, man, he was such a he was so. Yeah, but he started inventing in his twenties. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was an amazing man for sure. But he wanted the national bird to be the turkey. It right. ended up becoming the eagle, but. Uh, the turkey is, you know, the the first group, the pilgrims and Indians didn't sit down and get a butterball turkey. Didn't happen. They had uh, deer late. They, it was a three-day festival. You know, we just quickly eat for about, I don't know, about five or six hours straight. <laughs> and then we go for some Black Friday shopping. And we go to yeah. sleep. Watch some football. and <laughs> Watch some crappy football. Yeah, exactly. Usually it's uh, the Cowboys, Cowboys right? and somebody, yeah. The Packers or the Cowboys and... And the Detroit Lions. I always watched when I was a kid, the Detroit Lions never won ever on a Thanksgiving when I was growing up. Anyway. Well, I just wanted to say one last thing and then we'll close out this. First of all, I think it's, I think it's a good idea maybe this year on Thanksgiving to take just a few minutes and stop and look around at the things that you have and look at the people that are in your lives and just take a second and be thankful for the good that you have. Think, be thankful that if your parents are still living, that you have your parents. Be thankful that if you have a home, that it's you have warmth. You know, be thankful that if you have food in your cupboards, maybe you don't like all of the foods that's you know, that are available to you. But you know, instead of cussing out the person for bringing you the wrong kind of casserole you know, <laughs> or a sandwich, you know, maybe have some patience for somebody today. Whenever you go through a drive-through and they didn't get your order quite right you know, and complain. Maybe just be thankful for, like, I'm thankful for my wife who's with me here today. I'm thankful for you too. Are you? Is that a br- another brown nose or is that a brownie point? <laughs> no, you as much black as I've got. <laughs> yeah, I busted her chops pretty hard about <laughs> calling me a brown noser. Although I will say, on our wedding day, <laughs> she called me a ding-dong. <laughs> I like ding dong. <laughs> to be fair, Rick, I fully believe you were being a ding dong on your wedding day. I wasn't even there. Well, it was because of the the cake. We got the cake and had it at our table. We were supposed to like feed each other and like eat the cake. I just started eating. <laughs> Picked up his fork and just went to town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, like, you're supposed to be supposed to give me you ding dong. That actually might be one of the few things I filmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So are we getting Are we getting the G word ding dong that she actually called you? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about hostess ding dongs. I, I like those. those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like those. Anyway, just try to be thankful for the things that you have. Just take a minute. There's a there's an old Christian hymn that says, count your many blessings. Sometimes it, it's, it does the soul well to stop and actually think about the things that you have. 
And it is one of those things, like many things, it's if you can convince yourself to do it and then maybe do it again and then maybe do it again and then maybe do it again, you will literally retrain your brain to see the positive things in your life. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely, you can condition yourself to be more positive and you should try. Always look on the bright side, side of, of life. I went straight for the second verse. <laughs> That's life of Brian, am I right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. What is it? 14 days to retrain yourself? Is 30 it, days, to make, it, 30 days to make a it, habit. Yeah, for it to become a habit. Yeah. But it is one of those things where the people that seem to be happy seem to be happy and the people that seem to be unhappy largely don't seem to be happy and it's i i really think you can i don't think it's necessarily easy but i think you can kind of train yourself i absolutely think you can train yourself to look at things and observe positivity more i wake sure. up happy every day you know in the line of what you're saying about giving because thanks, you were just sleeping sure <laughs> uh giving thanks i think we need to take time to give thanks for everything we have in our lives, even the people that bug us, because everyone in our lives enriches us in some way. Mm -hmm. And then the things in our lives enrich us in some way. And I think we need to be thankful for that. And forget about what we have done with Thanksgiving and made it this, purchase this, buy this, do this, do this. And the same thing, we're going to be talking about Christmas next. And it's the same thing with Christmas. It didn't start off with, you know, giving all these lavish gifts and doing all this. It's it's a there's meaning behind it. So let's let's take a moment and think about everything that we've got and get rid of all of the stuff that we've done marketing wise and just try to relax and spend time with the the ones that you love. I think I just figured out that children ruined holidays. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean and try Say it out loud. Like say say that you're thankful for something out loud. Maybe make a list and say it out loud. You'd be surprised how well you'll listen to yourself when when you say, "I am so I'm thankful to God that He saved me." Say it out loud to yourself if you believe that. Sometimes it's like, oh, I hey. agree with that. At my last church, we would have a Thanksgiving meal, and everyone that wanted to could get up and spend a minute talking about what they were thankful for. And many times That's someone cool. would say something and I would think, you know what? I have that in my life and I haven't uh, I haven't thanked that person or I haven't been thankful for that thing in my life. So I've been reminded uh, by other people of things that I should be thankful for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like my, I don't mean to, I don't want to embarrass you, honey, but my wife makes me lunch every day to take to work. Like I never had that before but i go to like i open up my bag and it's always there like i'm so thankful that she does that you know it's such a nice thing and i really appreciate that you know and i have i have certain people in my life that they always say good morning you know and i thought about them the other day i was like greg always says good morning and at the end of the day every single work day greg says thank you for my job i mean i'm like Wow. I mean, it's so nice to hear. I don't have to hear that, but he does. Like, he's thankful that he has a job. He's thankful for his family. It's, say it out loud. Do you guys have anything you want to say or add? How about you, Billy? Are you thankful for anything at all in your life? No, nothing. No. It's all me. It's all me. I'm so thankful for me. Yeah. yeah, of course, my girls, my health, my house, my, you know, my, uh, you know, um, 
Sexy body. <laughs> well, I don't know about Man. that. It's you know, it's getting older. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want that. See, we make all the jokes about Billy that we're not allowed to like make about <laughs> make about the girls. <laughs> we're yeah. just like we can, we go all in with Billy because we're not because that's where we're allowed. Yeah, and and my family, my mom and dad's still alive. Uh, uh, I have two of my grandparents that are still alive, and and I've actually got to you know. I knew my great grandparents, so that was pretty cool. So I mean, yeah, I've I've got tons, you know. And and like you said, don't be thankful just on Thanksgiving. Right. Every single day, mm-hmm. like Ralph said, if you get up and your feet hit the floor, be thankful for that, mm-hmm. you know. And and just just keep rolling. Yeah, I'm thankful for the miracle of birth. <laughs> Bite me. <laughs> <laughs> and even the people that get on your nerves, be thankful for them. Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> just, I love Ralph. It is just, I pick on him, but it's so fun. How about you, Ralph? What are you thankful for? Yeah, I'm thankful for the same things everyone else is. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I've believed in God since I can remember. I'm thankful that I was raised and by people who brought me up around that. And for those that don't have that and don't understand it or think uh, I'm weird or Christians are weird, I I don't feel sorry for you and I don't pity you. I just wish for you the fulfillment I have in my life and have had since I was very young. I've always felt fulfilled. I've never felt empty. And, you know, you go to Alcoholics Anonymous and you go to these different groups and they say, I feel empty. Well, you know, bring God into your life and he'll fill the gaps. I've never had a gap. I've had the same things happen to me as other people where people made fun of me and I, different things, whatever. I've always been filled and I've always been happy. And I've only had one bad thing happen to me, in my opinion, in my life, which was my divorce because I didn't want it. Uh, and I'm responsible for uh, as much of that as she is. So, uh, you know, anything that went wrong in my life, uh, I'm responsible for. So I wake up every day, look in the mirror, and no matter what I look like, I feel good. And I'm like, I'm going to go take on the day. Yeah. How about you, Andy? I, uh, I'm i thankful that I'm just kind of lucky. I, I mean, you know, I do this for a living and and a lot of people look at it and they're like, you built this building. Uh, da, 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 da. And it's just like, no, I'm privileged enough to have opportunities that allow me to do some goofy alt job for a living. Mm-hmm. Like that comes from kind of just circumstance. Like the the possibility comes from circumstance. Of course, you have to work a little, but things like that, like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm... I'm just lucky. Evan, you know, I don't make a ton of money, but I've never had a hard life. It's easy. It's good. Yeah. How about you, Holly? Yeah, I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm I'm thankful that the Lord brought us together mm-hmm. despite the rough well, road that we've brown now. <laughs> well, despite the rough road that we've both had mm-hmm. um and circumstances that we've had to face. Um I'm thankful for my parents that and the way that they raised me, that I was able to know both my grandmothers and, um, you know, learn from them. And um, now, you know, we live where I was raised, and I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for the, that I have, I have a spot that I can go back to where I felt the conviction and knew that I needed to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I have that time and place in my life. 
Yeah, me too. So, and double cheeseburgers. <laughs> yes, in and out. <clears throat> I'm thankful for my vest. <laughs> so, all of you Jackson Jennies out there, if you're listening, hey, maybe you're driving around, maybe you're on the way to some family for Thanksgiving. Just take a minute. Just stop for a second and say aloud to yourself. Think about the things that you have and be thankful for them. And don't be in such a rush to get through the day. Just take a minute, look at the people, and and really enjoy the time that you have. You only get one shot at this. You only get one life. This is it. And be thankful for what you have. And now for a dirty joke. <laughs> thankful for these jokes. Do you jokes. know any okay. others? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have to tell this. But oh, it's this the joke only, is amazing. I love it. It's the only turkey joke that I know. So this man walks into his house and he's carrying a turkey. And he looks at his wife and he says, this is the pig that I've been having sex with. And his wife said, you moron, that's a turkey. And he said, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) That is all new to me. That is an incredible joke. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, you going to hell now? I, all I could think about was stuffing. You know, like stuffing. Nope, stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. Now. All right, it was a bad joke. We may, we might take this off, but maybe not. Maybe we'll leave it on. Anyway, <laughs> thanks everybody for being here. I'm thankful for all of you guys. I have really enjoyed this podcast this year, and uh, I hope that uh, you'll want to continue doing this. I love studying the Bible, talking to it. I like all of your independent views and what you think, and. Um, challenge me. Uh, my beliefs have changed this year. I'm thankful that I've had, and I, you know, want to know the truth? It's happened in this building, Andy, this building that you built. I've had my beliefs change in this building. And it must be from all of the desecrated crosses I buried. It is, it. and the asbestos. <laughs> yes. So anyway. Kidding, of course. <laughs> Not so about the asbestos. <laughs> no, but thanks, Billy. That stuff works. Thank you. Oh, wait, wait, before we go, what is the worst Thanksgiving dish y'all have had? Oh, yeah, that's cool. All right. I'm well, going to go last because I got to think about this. Yeah, I've got to th- think about it, too. Anybody know one right well, off? I'm going like to say what or? Rick put in the thing to say some of your favorite memories because we haven't gone over that. And that's Yeah, you can use the a worst my, dish or a favorite memory. Whatever. My favorite memories are we always went to family. I mean, I know my aunts and uncles and my cousins, and I know all of them, and I actually stay in touch with most of them uh, and have over the years uh, because we had all these dinners together. We were always at someone's house, and even though some of us lived apart, every Thanksgiving, the family got together. It was just known that we were going to someone's house, and I'm thankful for the fact that I know almost all of my extended family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. So... Uh, I know my wife's parents don't listen to this, so that's good. Uh, my wife's mother-in-law, cousins, sisters, boyfriends, uncles, college roommate, uh, she would do a uh, a crawfish and like shrimp boil for for Thanksgiving. I'm and, coming for that. Are they and, from Louisiana or yes. something? Yes, and oh, it's okay. just like okay. first off, no. That's that's improper where I'm from. Yeah. And second off, I don't like shrimp because when you have a boil, I spend like 
an hour or five afterwards washing my hands and feeling like I've sinned because you can't get that smell <laughs> off your hands. <laughs> Just the shrimp, though. Everything else is fine. So so that's that's blasphemed to me, though. Right. It's you a know what I for hate? Thanksgiving. I hate sausage dressing and the person that invented it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've had this. I th- I, it's got to come from New York because everybody I know from New York eats it and I think it's nasty. I've had I've had uh, oysters in stuffing. Oh yeah, well mm. yes, absolutely. You like that? Oh yeah. Well, I hate the man that invented that. Yeah, oysters. Any type of shellfish will put me in the hospital. So <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh hey, really? you want to go yeah. the Red Lobster? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have like a a happy memory, or do you have like a uh, like a bad bad dish, worst dish you've ever had? Cherry. <laughs> Um. No? Nothing. Cherry the clam today. I'm going to say, yeah. Cherries. If you were a Dick Tracy I villain. Have, <laughs> I don't have um, any young memories of Thanksgiving. Really? No young memories of Thanksgiving? I oh. feel that because I don't either. I hmm. don't. How about you, Holly? We always got together at my mom's, or both of my grandparents, with with that side of the family, so with my mom's family and then with dad's family. That, and that was when I was much younger. Now we get together at mom's. And it's always good to see family, you know, that lives out of town. And Yeah. Whenever I was growing up, we would go over to my mom's mom's house. My, uh, we called him my mom, papa. Papa Lance. It was really funny. And my family's going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> They are. They're going to kill me if they hear it. Of course, they don't listen to this. Yeah, I was about to say. Nobody listens to this podcast. That's what makes it so great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We. I don't know if you guys know this, but we're we're approaching 200 listeners now. Wow! Wow! That's awesome. Okay. I thought I'd share that for you. So thanks for listening to this, guys. So I'll tell you some embarrassing parts. So my (laughs) my uh, grandfather, my papa Lance, right? He would he did all the cooking. It was really funny, and and I always I always knew that. Like he always did. He made like a ham and a turkey. He made this really awesome hot potato salad. You ever had like hot warm? It's no. It's so good. It's like unexpected. It's it's a hot potato salad. It's like he served it, and I found out it's because they always they were always running late, so they just made it the same day. Oh, that's funny. So it wasn't chilled. That's why. But I liked it. I remember it being hot, and I liked it. And then my mama. Always had a headache every Thanksgiving, and she wore these like tight stretch pants, you know, and a long T-shirt because she was like not at work and very comfortable. And I always thought that Papa did all the cooking. And then when I spent some time with my mamaw recently, I found out that actually she did a lot of the cooking, and Papa got all of the credit every single year. And in reality, she was doing it behind the scenes, and we thought it was Papa all that time. Funny, I know, yeah. So that's funny. So I don't think I have a worse dish. One of the best dishes I've ever had was just simple pineapple with cornflakes on it that's cooked. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that's, I have. that's amazing. It's amazing. And it's got cheese in it, of all things. That it's we have wild that. to my brain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we've yeah, had yeah. that happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, as a kid, we used to actually raise turkeys mm-hmm. and then like do the whole. 
I guess, Benny Franklin, instead of the Indians and pilgrims, we'd actually go out and get it, and Grandpa would kill it, and yeah. uh, it was a domestic turkey. So yeah. uh, we'd pluck it, and he'd fix it, and kind of the same same with you. We had always seen, I mean, Grandpa did a lot. Like, he cooked the turkey and the ham and the dressing. He made killer dressing, but then, of course, Grandma did all the, the sides and the corn and stuff right. like that. And then when she passed away— um, Ten years ago, we started going to Ryan's, you know, the big buffet. So that was that was interesting. Yeah, that was that was that was different. I remember um, Ryan's. Yeah, 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 that was that was that was different. We'd have to get there at like ten thirty. I just remember <laughs> peas being in the mayonnaise at Ryan's. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, uh, I'm, I'm going to eat it anyway. <laughs> There was a Ryan's near us when I grew up, and I only remember it because uh, I had the best piece of steak there, or in my memory. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, every once in a while they get it right. Yeah. 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 It was down by the Four Seasons Cinema. Where it, it oh, is, yeah. And the Four yeah. Seasons Cinema is no longer there. Now mm-hmm. it's like a dialysis place, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, and my sister, um, by far, makes the best coleslaw you will ever eat. And no, she always mom, makes my it mom up. does. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to need to have her bring some here then. <laughs> yeah, well, she's making it this year. And believe it or not, since my grandfather died, our family has not gotten together for Thanksgiving since then. I was 25 years old when my wow. grandfather. So it's been 21 years. And my marvelous wife has invited my entire family to come to our house for Thanksgiving Ooh. this year. Oh, that's fun. Oh. I know. And they're all going to come. So it's oh the God, first time in yeah. two decades that the family's getting together. And you be thankful, you and best listen, wearing you. <laughs> I just want you to know that after we get our divorce, I will remind her that she wanted this special day. No. No. I told you how that was going to go down. Yeah. That's right. You're the only you have a gun. That's right. Do you have a gun? Because we're dueling. Because I don't have a gun. And she does. She can so. borrow mine. <laughs> she has hey her now. own. I'm, yeah, I've got one. She's got he one doesn't. in her purse. <laughs> Anyway, well, that's it for today. I hope you guys have enjoyed this Thanksgiving edition. So, Billy. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you want to say something? If April showers bring May flowers, what do the May flowers bring? Pilgrims? Yes. (laughs) I almost said Indians. (laughs) Posies. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Represent. Bye.